correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. My name is Steve, and I'm here with Steve. Yes, my name is Steve as well. (laughs) Yeah. So, with that, we got a loaded week, but before we get into anything... Let's go ahead and talk about our podcast of the week. Our podcast of the week? Who would our podcast of the week be this week, Steve? The podcast of the week is Tabletop Tales. Ooh. Which you might know as formerly what comes after. They have fully rebranded at this point to Tabletop Tales, and they are super awesome at that. Love those folks over there. Yeah, we had Tyler, the GM for the main campaign, on couple months ago, I think back episode 30, talking a little bit about his, his world building process and so forth. Yeah. You know, they're doing live streams now and all kinds of crazy stuff over there. So honestly, go check out, go check out Tabletop Tales. Yeah. They've got, I think three, what, three campaigns going on the feed right now? Currently. Yeah. Yeah. They have um, their main one, which is what well, the, what comes after campaign, which is a uh, post-apocalyptic Genesis. They have a Star Wars game, and I think they have a 5e campaign as well. The Star Wars and the 5e, I believe, are also streams. Yes, they do stream Star Wars and 5e, which is really cool. I really, I give them a lot of credit because, I don't know, I don't have the the strength to start streaming yet. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have the equipment to start streaming yet. I have the equipment, it's just I don't know that I have the the uh, willpower to stream consistently. Well, I don't want to subject people to looking at my face that much. Yeah, well, I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get into let's get into this week's topic. I was going to say before we get into the topic, I did want to bring something up that as we're recording this hasn't happened yet, but by the time anyone hears this will be in effect. Um and that's the um, the price hikes over on Drive Through RPG for the, some of the print on demand stuff. Yes, everyone, lower your hats um, in in commemoration of lower price stuff. Drive Through has announced that they are going to have to raise the price of their color printings for what is it, forty percent? The the last figures I saw was for the what has been the premium hardcover option. The prices are going up 45%. And I know everyone's probably screaming and hollering. And I, I would like to say I've heard this from multiple places, including an interview with the CEO of One Bookshelf. I forget his name, but the guy, One Bookshelf is the parent company of Drive Through RPG. What has happened is the vendor that they use, the printer who prints these on demand copies for them, has raised their prices that much. Drive Through is not making any more money off of this. The people who write the books are not making any more money off of this. This is completely a pass-on of overhead. And I've also heard, again, from the the higher-ups at Drive-Through, they are actively looking for someone else to partner with for this printing to cut back on this problem. But as of yet, they have not found anything, at least, again, as we record. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame... And that that does suck. And, and that's something that it's just I think it's just part of the world that we live in at this point. I hope they find a new printer soon because yeah. not that, you know, it, it is the premium versions. So, you know, if you're if you're just looking for the base stuff, that's not going to get too affected. But, you know, it, it's, it's a shame any time prices like that have to go up. Yeah. Now, I have heard. And, and again, if, if you're looking at things and uh, not seeing the options you're used to, I have heard of some publishers that are suspending the availability of the premium hardcover print-on-demand because they're simply not willing to charge that for one of their titles. Yeah, and, and, and you know, that's a shame as well. But 
I don't mean to bring the real world into this, but you know, we have seen, I, I wonder if this is partly because of we've seen an increase in the cost of wood recently. And, and if the paper and cardboard and everything that goes into those premium books has gone up and then that has to get passed along somewhere. Yeah. You know, I, I it's, it sucks, but it, we'll get back to a, we'll get back to a reasonable price at some point. Yeah. And, and really, I just wanted to make people more aware that, look, this isn't drive through trying to gouge you. It isn't, you know, these, these smaller publishers trying to gouge you. This is basically it's drive through trying to not lose their shirt. Yeah. And I can respect that, especially drive through being the staple in the industry that it is. You know, you talk to anybody in the tabletop RPG industry and there, there's not a lot of great places to get independent books or stuff like that. And drive through is a fantastic resource. And with that, not to not to segue off of bad news, but if you are ordering from drive-thru and you're spending a little bit of money on drive-thru, please consider using our affiliate link. It is in our show notes every week and it's there for you guys so that we can, what, what happens is you guys get books. It gives us a little bit of a kickback and also helps so that when we go to run those one shots, we can afford to get the books to play the one shots and to do the things with you guys, especially on the discord or anywhere you guys are interacting with us. Yeah. You know, just consider using that affiliate link. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It just gives us a little bit of a kickback and drive through credit. Yeah, that's all that happens. And then now we do get a report. Actually, I get it, but I can look and I can see what's been ordered. I don't know who ordered it, but like, say, I all of a sudden see a whole bunch of sales of mech related RPG products. That's about what I I can see that somebody bought these things. That's all. So, you know, there's no privacy issues, whatever. And the other thing with that is, is that, you know, if we see you out there buying mech related games, we're going to talk about mech related games. You know what I mean? Yeah. We want to talk about what you guys are interested. Yes. Yeah. So that, that also gives us a little bit of a barometer as to, yeah, what are the people who listen to the show buying? Therefore, you know, maybe what do we want to talk about more? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you're interested in a particular topic and, and this is this is a fact of if you're interested in a particular topic, come on over to our. Yeah, <laughs> if you're interested on, in a particular what come on over to our discord channel and we'll maybe put up a live feed of Steve dying in a fit of coughing. Yeah, we'll start live streaming me dying. <laughs> um, but anyways. With that, I think let's go ahead and start breaking into the show topics for this week. We are going to be talking about some like pretty hot button issues. I've talked about this, you know, it's coming. I'm sorry, guys. I know I didn't have time. Now I have a lot of free time and that's due to personal reasons. But TikToks are coming, I swear. But I've been hanging out on TikTok a lot because I'm a millennial and I have nothing better to do with my life. So on TikTok, one of the big discussions that's been happening has been this idea that Dungeons and Dragons, while being a tabletop RPG, is a different hobby than dedicated tabletop RPGs, meaning that Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast have been pushing Dungeons and Dragons away from the rest of the the rest of the genre and trying to isolate its fan base. And I understand I, I understand both sides of the argument, but I do sort of see where the people on the side saying that Hasbro and Wizards is pushing Dungeons and Dragons away from the rest of the tabletop community. I do really see that. And I don't know what your opinion on this whole situation is there, Steve. Well, I I haven't followed the debate because I just don't do TikTok. No, I, I watch it occasionally with my wife, but she doesn't watch RPG related stuff and you're not a 20 something who's bored. So it, it, no, I, I, it's been a long time since I've been a 20 something, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I get that. And there is kind of a, there is a, a definite divide in the RPG community between the, for lack of a better word, the D and D crowd and the people who play other things crowd. And I think you and I, you know, part of the reason we started the show was because we were running into that wall a little bit in that, well, okay, we've, we've grumbled about D and D a bit on, on the show before. And, you know, I, there are some things in D and D that I don't like personally. 
and I'm more than happy to discuss some of those issues, be it on the air, on Discord, you know, in private chat, whatever. I don't care. But I try to keep it focused more towards elements of design that I dislike and why I don't like them. And a lot of it, I should say, a lot of it is more that I feel like D&D is often misrepresented as being extremely beginner-friendly, etc., and I don't feel that's the case, especially compared to other designs. I'm not saying that it's necessarily a bad game. I have, and probably will again, have a considerable amount of fun playing it, but I think that... Let me back that up a second. There's also the fact that I am not all that into classic high fantasy, which is what Dungeons and Dragons does best, classic heroic high fantasy. That's just not where I want to play games most of the time, and that is what it does best to do other things. I feel that there are other game systems mechanically that do that better, so that's why I want to play those other game systems. My biggest grumble, really, are the people, to a certain point, on both sides of this argument who are trying to say that the other side is bad and that we shouldn't do it. I have no problem with people who want to play D&D and have fun doing it. What I kind of ruffles my feathers, if you will, is the people who, I don't want to play anything but D&D. Well, look, good for you, but all I'm asking in a lot of ways is, look, I'll play D&D with you for a while, but then can we play something else, you know, next session, next campaign, whatever? Yeah, I completely agree. I understand where I, I again I go I go back and forth. I understand where everybody's coming from on this, but in my mind I do agree that okay, I I'm going to get into it a little bit because I do agree that with the people that are saying that Hasbro and by extension Wizards because at the end of the day the thing you have to keep in mind is that Dungeons and Dragons is owned by Wizards of the Coast, which is a subsidiary company of Hasbro. Yes, the same people that make Monopoly, if you didn't know this, are the same people that make Dungeons and Dragons. And that's great. I mean, I think that's fantastic. We do need a big we, we need a big presence in the market. And and that is what Dungeons and Dragons is. But at the same time, the people that play exclusively Dungeons and Dragons typically and it's not it's not uncommon to run into people that are willing to try other things. But a lot of people are not willing to try other games. That's where it comes into the we had the whole episode of D&D isn't everything bagel. Well, D&D is great, but I don't want that all the time. And D&D does what it does fantastically. But at the same time, there's a lot of push from people going, yeah, but you can make D&D do this. Well, OK, I understand where you're coming from and I understand that's where your base is. But why would I make D&D do fantasy space or fantasy future when I have something like Shadowrun? Or I have other games that do that just as well. Maybe not mechanically. You know, I've, I understand people have their qualms with Shadowrun and its mechanics. But what I'm getting at is that thematically and gameplay-wise, there are games that do a lot of what you want to do in D&D. You know, you want to tell an Eldritch Horror story? Call of Cthulhu exists. Trail of Cthulhu exists. Um, anything in that gumshoe engine is great for that. And, and it's not hard to learn. Yeah. Gumshoe's a great investigative system. Yeah, Gumshoe's a great investigative system. You want to do you want to do Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk Red is a fantastic Cyberpunk book. Uh, mm-hmm. But what Dungeons and Dragons does is it does high fantasy. It does combat really well. I think Dungeons and Dragons combat for what it is. If you look at it as like if you have minis and you're doing the whole tactical thing, Dungeons and Dragons combat's really good. It is. It's a really good combat system. It's slow at times, but it's slowed down by its players. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we addressed this in the Everything Bagel episode, but it's also, and specifically in combat, there are some of their choices in in wording and so forth that make it confusing for new players. And the fact that there are a lot of people like you and I who have been playing these games for years And we know what it means, even though what it says is confusing. So we're just, I'm going to do this with this action and that with that action, bang, bang, bang. And new people are sitting at the table and they're confused. And then they feel intimidated because they just watched 
the three other people at the table go through what they're going to do real fast and they're still not sure what they can do. Right. That's more my issue with it necessarily than, than the system itself. Yeah, I agree with that. And again, that goes back to combat's really smooth, but players slow that down and that's going to be any game. You know, I'm sure that in mutants and masterminds, we slowed down combat more than anybody who's been playing that game for a serious amount of time. Yes, but we also had the luxury of playing that game with someone who knows it well enough to get hired to be part of the development team for it. Right. (laughs) So he did a lot of the work on the front end that we could just ask a quick question, and there we go. Right. But I do think, though, and, and I sort of talked about this a bit, but I feel like the marketing strategy is to push Dungeons and Dragons away from the rest of the D&D or the rest of the tabletop RPG community and hold it on its own pedestal. And that is a push not by the players, not by anybody who has any control really over it other than the the actual marketing and creation department of that. I think they're really trying to push that game away from the rest of the community and be like, "No, no, no, no. D&D is great. Only play D&D." And that's something we saw. I wasn't necessarily around for it, but I know because I'm a history nerd and I love this tabletop RPG stuff. I know from doing my own research that that's something we started to see in the late eighties, early nineties at the beginning of the bubble. I wouldn't even say bubble at the beginning or, or silver age of RPGs, right? Yeah. That, that, well, the, the end of TSR slash, you know, when Wizards initially bought D&D and the whole 3, 3.5 RPG explosion. Well, that, or even even getting into the stuff like, you know, you talk about GURPS, we've talked about Rifts, the very simulationist stuff where it's stay in our ecosystem. No, stay in our ecosystem. Stay in our ecosystem. We want you here. And that was a push back in that time of like the Silver Age when when those games were starting to come up. And, and these new games are coming out. Everybody wants you to stay in their ecosystem and keep buying our books and keep buying our books. And the thing of it is, is that D&D really wants you to keep buying their books. And that's great. I think they're, they are putting out some really fantastic content. But at the same time, it is you have to recognize a pattern when you see it, in, at least in my mind. And I recognize a pattern of, hey, we're trying to isolate. We're trying to push away from not necessarily the rest of the community. I mean, they don't come to any of the conventions anymore really mm-hmm. there are no official representations of dungeons and dragons at most of the conventions hasbro has really pushed for that and that has again i blame hasbro because we saw that change when hasbro bought wizards of the coast this is not a the hasbro acquisition was a pretty recent thing and by recent i mean within the past decade or so yeah i don't know the date on that I don't have the exact date. I know that it was around the time of fifth edition, like the beginning of fifth edition, somewhere around there that, and, and don't hold me to that. Don't actually it's been longer than I thought. How's long has it been? September of 99. Really? Hasbro yep. purchased. Okay. So then I'll say it this way. The push away has been started since I would say probably 10 years ago. How, I, how long has 5th edition been out? Seven years at this point? I think it came out in 12 or 13. Yeah, so seven or eight years. The other thing, though, too, also, I think when Hasbro initially bought Wizards, they were not buying it for D&D. They were buying no. it for Magic the Gathering, and at the time, Wizards also held the license to do the Pokemon card games. Yeah, and I think that's why Hasbro purchased them, and then they uh, they lost the rights to the Pokemon card game, and that that has been their own thing because Pokemon exploded, and you know Wizards, you know Magic is still a massive, massive market share. Magic, just like Dungeons and Dragons, Magic is arguably you know the the most popular card game. Like if you don't play Magic consistently, if you've played card games, you've played Magic probably. You know what I mean? Or if you haven't, you somebody's been trying to get you to play it. But I think in the past probably 10-ish years, Hasbro has really started to 
push and really push Dungeons and Dragons away from away from everything that it was. Because in even in 3.5, I don't believe now that you could have what effectively was Pathfinder come out with a fifth edition. No, I agree with you there. Where Pathfinder when it when it came out, I don't, I don't again am not an authority on this. So please don't take my word as as end all be all. But when Pathfinder came out, I always knew it as 3.75. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was because fourth edition was coming out. People weren't happy with fourth edition, but they were happy with Pathfinder because it was 3.5 modified. And I don't believe that if a game like Pathfinder, where it would say be D&D 5e.5 or 0.25 was coming out, I think Hasbro would shut that down hard. You know what I mean? You know what I just learned literally as we're recording this? What's that? You know who owns Hasbro? Uh... The House of Mouse. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't that part of that Disney? Because they were Viacom. I want to say they were part of the Viacom acquisition. I don't know. I knew that, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't and realize that. And that would that. explain. Well, I want to say. Uh, I No, I'm not going to say that. Because I wanted to say that I think that the Hasbro acquisition was part of that more recent push on Disney's end. But I. Uh, 14. Fourteen, yeah. So that would have been right at the start of that Disney push, when Disney was buying everything, right at the beginning of that, right as Marvel was taken off. Mm-hmm. But again, goes back to with it, even with Hasbro being a subsidiary of Disney, Disney does not let things like that slide. Disney is very locked down on their, you know, we own the rights to this, and and that is it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I think that even with changing the words, I don't think that you could get away with a Pathfinder system or a Pathfinder-like game with 5th edition. I don't think that the market is there. I think, and and this is going to be a little bit of a tangent, but it's our show, so we'll do what we want. Pathfinder came about, in my opinion, and I don't have any real research to base this off other than just looking at the structure of the games. Pathfinder came out as a backlash against the change to 4th edition. The people who weren't happy with 4th edition, in, in, to my mind, it's, it's very similar to the grunge explosion of the early to mid-90s, where it was a backlash against the hair metal of the late 80s. Yes, but, and, <laughs> and I could be wrong, I'm pretty certain that... Pathfinder technically premiered at the tail end of 3.5 when 4th edition was testing. I believe, and I'm not certain of this, I believe that 3.5 was the active edition when Pathfinder 1st edition came out. And the reason for that was because people, because you got to remember, 4th edition and 3.5 were ending right as the, I don't want to say right as the internet was starting to take off, but at the at the very beginnings of the modern internet, we'll call it, right? Sort of. I do know this. Paizo originally was a publishing company that had been doing a lot of basically subcontracting work for Wizards of the Coast. They had been producing Dragon Magazine and so forth. And then I want to say it was with the closing of the the 3.5 system or as they were getting ready to do that, Paizo pulled that, that work from them. Or I Paizo, wouldn't put it past Wizards them. pulled that work from them. And so Paizo said, well, you know what? We've already got this stuff. We're going to take the system, change it enough that we can rebrand it as our own. We already have all this material that we have been publishing. We're going to make a system based off of that, that all these people who have been buying Dragon Magazine, et cetera, et cetera, and so on, They've already been, you know, we know there's a market for this content, so we're going to make it since the company who has been selling it decided they don't want to make it anymore. Yeah. And like I said, I, I'm pretty sure I had heard through the grapevine somewhere that that it, it came about because some people got their hands on fourth edition early and were like, "Ooh, let's no, we got to hurry up and do something about this. I, I had heard that I can't. Again, can't say that that is a for certain thing, 
but I had heard that that was the push for that. But again, Hasbro, Wizards, D&D have all been sort of pushing away. And 4th edition started that push, you know, pushing away from the... It wasn't until this most recent edition that they brought back the OGL, the Open Games License, where now you can you can license to make supplements for D&D. Yeah. And 4th edition was very bad about they did not have the OGL. It was very much, no, we are, it's single party only. And now we're, we're getting back into a little bit of that third party stuff. But again, as far as that being supported, so the open games license exists, but as far as any official being like, let me put it this way. Here's a perfect analogy for this. I put up in our discord in our star Wars chat that the, the old star Wars cartoons, including the Gendy Todorovsky Clone Wars is now on Disney Plus. Disney did not make a single stink about we're releasing these, we're putting these out. Mm-hmm. And it's the same, almost the same thing as when third party supplements come out for DD, they don't get posted on the main. Like, I follow Dungeons and Dragons on Twitter, I follow Dungeons and Dragons on Facebook, I follow. Wizards of the Coast. That stuff does not get posted. Like when there's a third party supplement that's coming out that's pretty nice, they don't advertise it. They're only advertising their first party products. They are allowing people to do it, but they're not pushing it. And that is something, yes, granted, you know, OGL is what it is, but that is something that says to me, we're doing this as a courtesy, but not that much of a courtesy. Yeah. Well, but going to, to, to rewind back a little bit to what you were talking about, how they're trying to position themselves and, and maybe sort of separate themselves positionally, I think you don't have to look any farther than the cover of the books. We're blah, 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 world's greatest role-playing game. Yeah, they have it plastered on top like Nerf. <laughs> I will say this, and, and I, I again, I don't want to necessarily bash what anyone else thinks is fun. I wholeheartedly disagree that Dungeons & Dragons is the world's greatest role-playing game. I don't actually know what is the world's greatest role-playing game. I have opinions, but that's my opinion. I will wholeheartedly agree that Dungeons & Dragons is the world's most popular role-playing game. Yeah. But we all know that popularity doesn't equal good. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have a problem if they did want to change their, their slogan to the world's most popular RPG. But again, like you said, that doesn't equal good. If you like Dungeons and Dragons and you like our podcast, fantastic. I love to hear that. I'd love to have you come into our Discord. Tell us why you like our podcast, you know, because is it the tips and tricks or what is it? Because we're always pushing other games. And if you're if you're a diehard, you know, D&D only fan, I want to know that because I want to know what I can do to, to help you. You know what I mean? But... At the same time, I'm not out here, and I don't want this to come across this way. I'm not bashing anybody. I'm just making a point that I really feel that Hasbro is not supporting the community at large. Because if you are a Dungeons & Dragons fan, I can say with a bit of certainty that at a surface level, you do not... Like, if you are a surface level Dungeons & Dragons fan, you probably do not know that there are other tabletop RPGs because I have friends that are surface level Dungeons and Dragons fans that were like, there's other games, you know? Yeah. And that's, I mean, in, in my mind, that was one of the whole founding principles of the show was not to say that Dungeons and Dragons is bad, but that, Hey, look, there's a whole lot of other games to play in other worlds, other, you know, imagine other imagination spaces. Yeah. Settings, worlds, tone, it's just, I like Dungeons and Dragons, but at the same time, I can understand why people, like, I can understand why there are some people out there that are getting fed up with people that only like Dungeons and Dragons. I get that. I'm not there. I'm I'm not. I will never fault you for, I will never fault you for playing a game you like. If you like that game, as long as it does not physically harm anybody else, cool. Hey, great. That's fantastic. I'm glad you like that game. But there are other games. There are other things out there. And and not saying that, you know, everybody's going to be a convert. But 
there's a lot of people that are like, I like Dungeons and Dragons, but I really like sci-fi. So I'm going to make a Dungeons and Dragons sci-fi game. Well, hey, cool. But let me point you in a direction of Fragged Cyberpunk. Or let me point you in the direction of Shadowrun. Or, you know, there's some really cool Genesis stuff coming out for like a cyberpunk, you know, cyberpunk. Shadow of the Beanstalk? Yeah, stuff with that. And, and you know, independent stuff coming out. And, you know, you want that magic cyberpunk. Hey, that's cool. There's stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's game. There's everything out there. And one of the arguments that I've heard is buy-in. And, and I we had a whole discussion on buy-in. But one of the more recent arguments was like, oh, well, D&D's cheap. Is it, though? Oh, Loney. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, I really argue, is D&D cheap? Because... For sixty bucks, I can buy a buy a whole game. I mean, like literally a whole game. Yeah. Versus sixty bucks, I can buy one third or well, uh, sort of. <laughs> Look, I one I, ha- I haven't totaled up things, okay. But I I would say looking at 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 my collection in in cover price, and that's another discussion I wrote. I'll go down here in a second. But in in cover price value. The only thing in my collection that may surpass the value of my fifth edition D&D books, which I do not own everything, nor do I ever intend to, is possibly by Rift's collection, most of which was bought before the turn of the millennium, if not all of it. And that's another thing. There are great games out there that you can find used. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bought a lot of my Rift's books used back in the day. I shout out, we've shouted them out a bunch of times. If you're in the Pittsburgh area, seriously, go check out Game Masters in, in Pittsburgh area. They're awesome. Used games out, you know. Yeah. Like uh, half price books, even. Half price books. Stuff. Fantastic. Check your LGS, your local game store. Sometimes they have stuff, you know, sometimes. It's not always, sometimes. I'll tell you, I told you personally. And I don't, I don't know if this is a Western Pennsylvania thing. I don't know if they're a chain. I really don't know, nor do I care to learn. Uh, Ollie's. We have a local, we have a store near us called Ollie's. They're sort of like a, like a bargain bin type place. I found games at Ollie's on their bookshelves. Yeah. They're a a different kind of place, but yeah, they're wonderful for finding stuff. Yeah. They're weird, but really cool. Hey, I found stuff there. And if your main place of, of shopping for books is Barnes and Noble, you're really only going to find a handful of things. You're going to find mostly Dungeons and Dragons. You're going to find a couple other things. You might find Pathfinder. You might find some of those Paizo games. You might find Edge Studio games now, former Fantasy Flight games. You might find them still marked as Fantasy Flight games. But, you know, if you're cost-minded and you're like, oh man, you know, D&D is really cheap. It's it's really not the cheapest game that you could get into. There are a ton of free games. My game of the week is pay what you want. Now that doesn't mean it's free, but it is pay what you want to pay. Yeah, you can you can download it for free, read it, go, oh, I really like this. Go back in and throw a couple bucks, rebuy it, but yeah, but pay the 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 publisher for it. You just don't have to do it up front. Yeah. Are, are you done with this line of thought? Because I have a soapbox to, to, to whip out here for a second. Oh, I, 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 what's, uh, what's the brand on it? <laughs> okay. And, and I don't know 100% if this is to be directed at the publishers or perhaps the uh, online retail giant of which I'm about to speak. But I am rather infuriated with... And at this point, I'm pointing the finger at Watsi and Paizo. Watsi being Wizards of the Coast, for those not familiar with the abbreviation. If you go on Amazon, and I'm, I'm taking people's word for this on the Paizo books because I've not personally looked at them, but you can buy their books at a very, very steep discount over cover price on Amazon. I have a problem with this, and here's why. The core of the TTRPG hobby, the gaming hobby, is built around the local gaming store. That's where you used to go to find this stuff. That's where you met people. That's where a lot of people started playing, so on and so forth. There is absolutely no way on God's green earth that those stores can compete with the pricing that, and I'm willing to bet this is Paizo 
and Wizards of the Coast selling at a discount to Amazon for them to then be able to sell on because there's no way they you're you're talking prices in some cases below 50% of cover price. Yeah. There's no way on God's green earth that it's getting marked up that much in in storefront retail. And I really really have a problem with these mega corporations specifically I'm 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 pointing at Hasbro here that are essentially I'm going to say they're undercutting the core of the hobby that built them. And that pisses me off. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, that was the next place I was going to go actually. Um, because Hasbro is not helping local game stores. And, and I know we, we, we do try to not, we try to avoid the, the massive gorilla in the room, but, the fact of it is, is that COVID has put a hurt on a lot of local game stores. A lot of those local game stores are really hurting due to being, you know, whether they had to be shut down or couldn't do online sales because sometimes that's not feasible. You know, you can't compete with free shipping. How do I mm-hmm. compete with two-day shipping? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Amazon has been selling D&D books and that's part of why we really push to find games on drive through because drive through does put a lot of the money back into the publisher's hands. It's, it's part of why I push, you know, if you have a local game store, if, if it's a little bit of a drive, go check it out. But you know, Hasbro is hurting these local businesses. The brick and mortars are really struggling because they don't want to support like Hasbro likes having their books on the shelf, but they don't want to support that. I, I heard this fact and it sort of threw me for a loop so barnes and noble has been almost as bad as amazon has been in that the majority of dnd book sales are through barnes and noble locations mm-hmm. because barnes and noble is selling it at amazon prices and that's not me advertising for barnes and noble and saying oh go buy there no i am willing and and very willing to pay a little bit more to support a game store yeah. And now one thing I would like to point out, and I don't know that this is still the case, I would imagine it is, um, Artel Sorian, the publisher for Cyberpunk 2020 and Cyberpunk Red, which you've heard us talk about. About a gajillion times. <laughs> yes. They, with the release of Cyberpunk Red, they participate in a program, which is something that uh, you should probably bring up to your local game store if you next time you go there. There's a program out there called Bits and Mortar. Bits as in, you know, like megabits, whatever. What it is, is is a program in which a lot of publishers will, if you buy the hardcover copy of the book or the print copy of the book, will also throw in a free free PDF, okay? Well, Artel Sorian, with the release of Cyberpunk Red, and I should say also, many of these places, these publishers, do this with online sales, even if you buy the book directly from them. Artel Sorian, with the release of Cyberpunk Red, while they participate in the Bits and Mortar program, do not include a free copy of the PDF if you order the hardcover directly from their website. They do, however, participate in the program through local game stores, which is exactly why I personally went and bought my copy of Cyberpunk Red at a local game store, the Game Masters that that Steve just mentioned a little bit ago, because I got the free copy of the PDF. Now, here's the thing that I appreciate about this. That is the management at Artal Sorian saying, go support your local game stores. That is a publisher looking and saying, hey, these people, these little you know, independent stores all over the country and the world, that's what built our hobby into what it is. That is the core that if we lose that, we're in trouble. Yeah, I completely agree. And I've heard some people say, but, but, but what if you live somewhere where there isn't one? Well, look, I, I understand that. I appreciate that. I, I might know of a place where you can order it online and still do that because it is effectively a local game store that's big enough. They do some online sales. It's a wonderful place to go, as Steve mentioned, to look for used games, too. It's a company called uh, Noble Knight Games. Again, I don't know that they they offer it. I'm just throwing them out there as a place to go look for things. But, you know, I, I would say what we're talking about, this is, is more of a kind of an industry thing. Please, please, please go support your local game shops. You know, nothing. We're on the Internet. We're on Discord. I'm on I don't know how many damn Discord channels, you know, Facebook groups, etc. But 
the heart of this hobby has always been the local game store. Support them. And, and you'll find a lot of times the people who actually own these shops, they're hardcore gaming nerds. You know, you and I, when we went up to, to, to this Game Master shop, which is an hour drive for us, well, for me, it's a little longer than that for you, we could have literally sat there and talked with the owner for, well, the rest of the day and longer had we not had other things to do. Just talking about different games. Yeah. He just yeah. loves games. And, and, and it's yeah. so nice. I would love... I, I we need to figure it out. Maybe maybe when you get a new computer, we'll pack up some gear and go down there. I'd love to get him on the show. Oh, that would be cool. That'd be a great. We would have like five episodes because <laughs> <laughs> it would be a five hour podcast that we would edit down to five episodes. Hey, there's a little bit of behind the scenes, folks. If you ever hear where we have multiple parts, guess what? That's because we went longer than an hour. <laughs> yeah, I don't but, think we've actually done that yet, but. Well, with the actual plays. Well, yes, actual plays, but also, how great was that Modoc family reunion? Actually, oh, play? that was a that is a blast. I love that. I love that. It was too. so much fun to play. It was the first time I ever got to play supers. Also, actually, and I think this was for you, and I know uh, Jeff as well, who played Ant Man. And I don't know how much experience Shane had with Roll Twenty prior to that, but we were all also learning Roll Twenty as we did that. So we're playing a new game in a new <laughs> system. Yeah. It's a fantastic, just, just phenomenal thing. So yeah, get out there, support your local game stores, you know, and, and again, if you can't support a local game store, at least support the publishers through drive through. Like, yeah, that's the, the, you know, don't, it, it, if you can't afford new books, all right, fine. There is, you know, like you had mentioned about buying used from, from, uh, that company that you just yeah, mentioned. Noble because, Noble Knight. That was it. I knew it was Knight something. My brain just refused. And they will actually, you can mail them your used stuff if you want to sell it as well. I've yeah. never, I've not done anything with it, but I do know some other podcasters who have dealt with them in the past. And, and yeah, you can send them old stuff and they'll grade it and, you know, give you credit or whatever for it. Noble Knight or, you know, even, even. If you absolutely have to, eBay. I've ordered stuff off eBay before for used yeah. games. So like, uh, yeah, I I really one thing that I don't want to tell you how to play your games, but one thing I will tell you is that please, if you're going to play games, support your local game store. I don't mean you know if they have D and D books marked up to a hundred dollars a book, eh, but if they're marked up to what the actual back of the book is listed as feel free to support them because you know they're getting they're getting hurt by companies like amazon and buy some dice while you're there because that usually gives them a little bit more kickback than the books do yeah probably they probably do make a little more profit on them yeah i i i just you know get out there support your local game stores we really do want you folks out there to, to do that because it is just a smart thing it's a good thing to get into the habit of and you know, if you don't have a local game store, like Steve said, online retailers are great. Yeah, I'm not trying to bash Amazon necessarily. I've bought stuff through there. You know, we all have. I don't have a problem per se, but it is at the same time. When it comes to RPGs, I'm more likely to buy a game through somebody like Drive-Thru. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I bought that. I bought the uh, Judge Dredd combo that I talked about the other day. Mm -hmm. or the, the other week <laughs> <laughs> but bought that and and that was you know i bought that through drive through because i was like well a i like russ morrissey and b i don't want to buy it through amazon because i can't get as good of a deal and i'd much rather support more of this please anytime you look at something and go more of this please make sure you're supporting who's putting that out yeah yeah um and with that, I, 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 did you have anything else you wanted to get into? Because I think, I think we're about to get into game of the week. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it is about time for game of the week, but to, to kind of answer the question you posed to kind of open things, I don't know if D and D is a separate thing from TTRPGs, but I don't think it should be. No, I don't think it should be either. But at the same time, the other games feel like there's such a niche sometimes. And it, mm -hmm. it's, it's a, it's a shame there's a ton of us out there that play them, but 
you know, I think sometimes it feels like we're in this, this, I wouldn't say elite, but we're in a, a very select group of people that play tabletop RPGs that mm-hmm. are not D and D, not only D and D, I should say. Yep. All right. I think it's time for game of the week, Steve. Woo. Game of the week. Game of the week. Game of the week. You want to go? I, I got one, but I don't want to tell you mine until you've told me yours. Okay. Well, given that you told me that yours is pay what you want, I'm fairly confident that I haven't stolen yours because okay. mine is not a pay what you want title. Good. But it does kind of cut, tie back into a couple of things we were talking about earlier in this episode. My game of the week for this week is a title called Low Life 2090 from a publisher called Pickpocket Press. What this is, is an OSR cyberpunk kind of Shadowrun-esque game. It is a D20-based cyberpunk and sorcery set in 2090. Uh, It has elves and minotaurs and some of those races like that. It has magic. So it, it is, in a way, if you will, probably a, a little more of a Shadowrun take than a Cyberpunk take. This is a 300-page book. You know, looking at the preview, they have a preview video on there that was pretty pretty neat. Um, they've got at least two free adventures available for it. They have a free GM screen inserts, character sheets on drive-through, Roll20 support, Foundry VTT support. Actually, they should have, they're saying, a third adventure out possibly by the time this airs, according to the uh, the info on drive-through, and they intend to produce new uh, adventures, they say, every other month going forward. So um, this is one of the books that is being hit by the um, the price increase. Currently, the as, as we speak, the PDF is 15 bucks. The current, again, as we record, price of the premium hardcover print-on-demand is 55 Obviously, by the time anyone out there listening hears this, that won't be the case. There is a note on the listing saying that they intend to try to do a standard color hardcover option, hopefully by the end of July, to make it a little more affordable. But yeah, I mean, like I looked at the preview. The art looks very thematic, Um, something I might pick up because I just love the genre, even though I'm not the biggest E20 fan, but it, it it just looks interesting. And that's, like I said, called uh, Low Life 2090. Cool. Hey, let me ask you a question. Uh-huh. Is that... So you're done with your, your game, right? Yep. All right. Do you like Roger Rabbit? Who framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah. Yeah, that movie. Yeah, I've seen it a time or two. Do you... You like cyberpunk? Yes. What if... And hear me out here. What if there was a cyberpunk... Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That could be entertaining at the very least. I found a game called Toon Punk. That is T-O-O-N-P-U-N-K because I can hear you typing. Um, (laughs) And it is a cyberpunk Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Okay. You have my attention. That's what I said. It is pay what you want. Their suggested retail price is $15. I think that's fair. It is a D10 based game. Seems like it's a little bit more aimed towards having actual like like a tactical game, but it is set in a dark, humorous science fiction future where cartoons have come to life in the dystopian 24th century. The laws of our world and the madcap pseudo realities of ink and paper have collided to create a world that is trapped between a complete nightmare and a complete joke. This sounds so good, dude. Oh, so this, good. I, I, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have to get this. <laughs> it just seems like too much good imagination fodder. It's like I saw the art and my brain went, <gasps> like, my brain started going, Oh, I want this immediately. And it is very tactical. So, if you're not down for a tap- tactical game, hey, I mean, it's not for everyone, but, but. I'm sure you could, I don't know, you know, maybe tear some of the tactical out of it and steal it for its setting. <laughs> oh, the themes have to be just over the top hilarious. Yeah, this is, it's got really cool cover art. It's, it seems like a really interesting game. It looks like it's got some pretty decent art in the, in the book. 
again, core books pay what you want and 132 pages. It seems like a really fun, weird game, man. I like it. They advertise lightning quick character creation, building and running your own missions, encounters and maps. Uh, it's it's very much a heist game. Mm -hmm. So if you like heists, that would be a cool one, too. I am excited. That That is a 100% in the bag, like in the cart, checking out now type thing. Uh, yeah, no, um, that looks amazingly wonderful. Yeah. And, and, you know, anybody who's listened to the podcast for any extended period of time understands that I am one of those people where that oh. hits my fancy. And they not only do they, they do offer the, the, the regular PDF is pay what you want, but they have what they call Toon Punk pilot episode, which is effectively a uh, quick start that is free, legit free. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's mm -hmm. even cooler. Yeah. Yeah. I, I check out Toon Punk because I honestly, that's a good, it's chocolate and peanut butter for me right now. Cause like <laughs> these are two great, two great tastes that taste great together. <laughs> when was the last time you thought about that one steve oh i don't know i saw some Reese cups on the counter earlier today <laughs> uh, and with that steve's gonna go eat some reese's cups but you can find us on discord at me and steve talk rpg or me and steve uh what is our discord me i don't and know steve the rpgs <laughs> you find us on discord at me and steve rpgs you can check out our affiliate link in the show notes. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Twitter at and RPGs, Facebook. Um, you know, we don't really use the Facebook, but if you want to go over there, it's there. Again, soon to be TikTok, which once I get some content made. But with that, I do want to remind you to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, folks. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandstevrpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at andrpgs. Find us on Facebook at meandstevrpgpodcast. On Discord at meandstevrpgs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another. Cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. Turned on the bot. Turned on the bot. Bring the robot in. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs>